Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way, providing a seamless mortgage experience when you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time. You can with Rocket Mortgage. Jared Dubin coming up in 40 minutes. We'll also do the top five coming up here at about 20 minutes. I'm nervous about it because Pierno always puts me on the spot. Pierno. Oh, yes, Ken. Oh, yes, Ken. Did you just kiss the mic? No, I'm not that close. You just made the sound into the mic. Okay. Staten Island's finest. Oh, yeah. Which I I looked up during the break. I go, what what's it like living on Staten Island? And, and Pierno gave me a great breakdown of Staten Island and I said how much are the houses there he's like oh you'll get no breaks on Staten Island (laughs) no breaks three bed look at this three bed one and a half bath 1200 square feet on a 2800 foot lot 598 holy god holy Toledo (laughs) wait think about you thinking about moving up Ken no, Judas Priest, no. Are you kidding me? This one actually has grass here. This is six sixty four nine ninety nine. Well, oh, my gosh. This is what you guys live in? These, well, huh? I can't. Yeah. <laughs> These are single-family homes. These are duplexes. 529. Oh, I can never move out there. That'll never happen. I'll never. I, I'll send you my address. I paid a hell of a lot less for these. You're going to think I'm Jed Clampett. <laughs> Look at this one. Four beds, three and a half bath, 2,400 square feet on a 4,500-foot lot. On Laconia Avenue in Staten Island, $7.99. <laughs> going to look at Liz and go, we're selling the baby. <sighs> Lord. Well, you know what? You're living on Staten Island. Congratulations on all your success. Wow. <laughs> all right. What's our top five? Well, Ken, we're going to do some wrestling talk today. Oh, we are, are you know, we? You know why? Because you, you know what tomorrow is, right, Ken? Isn't it uh, SummerSlam? It's SummerSlam, right? The 33rd edition of the biggest you know, party of the summer. Summer you know what Slam. I when you play this music, all I can think of is Vince McMahon. Welcome to SummerSlam! Coming up, Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> versus Roddy Roddy Piper! 
It's okay. It, We're doing the top five SummerSlam matches. Oh, come on. This is hard. You're killing me. You are killing me. You know how... You, good God. The top five SummerSlam matches. <laughs> you ever notice Vince McMahon had like three different voices when he did play-by-play -play commentary? <laughs> He would do that where it was just a growl. And they, oh, we welcome you into the Pontiac Silverdome and WrestleMania 3. And then when Shawn Michaels, here he comes, Shawn Michaels. Ah, <laughs> oh, look at that. There's always look at that. Ah, oh, look at that. <laughs> what a maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> All right, top five, top five SummerSlam matches. Oh, Lord, this is hard. Oh, okay. All right, we'll do it. I, I was watching. Uh, was that was that was that a SummerSlam match? That wasn't SummerSlam. No, that was WrestleMania 13, right? Bret Hart and uh. Yeah, Austin and Bret, and Bret yeah, Hart. And, and, WrestleMania and, okay, 13. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. It will not be the other one I saw with with Vader and uh, Shawn Michaels in, in SummerSlam 96 live from Cleveland, Ohio. It will not be the one. So, all right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. That that one's as hard as hell. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. What do you want me to do, Pierno? You want me to take off on what I wanted to say, what, what I wanted to argue about, or you want me to get to these calls? It's up to you, babe. Dealer's choice. Well, just coming after, say, Koo Smith. We have a couple of callers on the topic. All right, all right. Because I, 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 people are bringing up politics about the NBA and in, in, in the ratings. And I, I want to get to this argument I want to get to later on because we got over 200 radio stations that are currently tuned to us right now. And I don't think I can find one person in America who's going to say that they disagree with me. With the exception of one circumstance, I don't think I'm going to find one person. I think, folks, I think I have found the greatest false narrative in American history that crosses both sports and life. And I want to do it here, but my producer's my producer, and he says, no, you just had Sekou Smith on. Sekou Smith was great, and he was. Ask, Get to the callers here. All right, fine, we'll get to the callers. Uh, let me just revamp it. I think there's plenty of reasons. And what Sekou Smith was right, you have more people watching on more platforms and some of those platforms, a lot of those platforms are not monitored by Nielsen or Arbitron or anything like that. So you're going to lose some of the classic ratings until we can figure out. And I don't know if you're going to allow to let Big Brother just track you like that until we figure out the actual number on, on whatever platform you're watching. I think there's going to be a bit of a difference there. Yes, I think he's right about that. And what we see in general television as it is, there was a time where you saw, you go back to some of the classic television shows not just in sports, but classic television shows. They do numbers now that are just impossible to do. There were there were three network channels or four network channels at the time. You started getting cable. You Ted Turner becomes the king of cable, was the king of cable before cable was cool. You, you get some of those television shows, and then you start to see numbers where they dwindle. Where now, hey, you got 800,000 people watching on a, on a Wednesday night. You got a hit. It, things have totally changed. Millions upon millions upon millions used to tune in. Now it, it is as broad and general as you can find. 
network television is different than it ever was, and that's just in TV just because they keep trying to go back to old shows because there's very little you can do that can even come close to competing with Hulu original television, with Netflix original television, Amazon Prime original television, or any one of the other major streaming platforms. You can't connect with any of those, or you can't compete with them. They're able to do things you can't. And, and the beauty of what you watch out on Netflix is that for whatever reason, they keep you going even though they switch out shows every three years. If you have an AMC original as a network program, you can't compete with that. So people keep wondering why we keep going back and revamping old shows because old shows worked and nostalgia works. And I think it's almost the same way now in professional sports. You have When you have a system here that we're about to set off where major networks are going to be able to auction off or 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 I should say bid at an auction for games every week instead of CBS has road AFC Fox has road NFC and then you have NBC on Sunday nights ESPN slash ABC on Monday nights it, it, it isn't going to be like that you'll still have your Monday you'll still have your Sunday and Thursday night and Monday night football but it's going to be different and now we're going to see a broad broad spectrum of things and in ratings of change where now you're watching an NFL red zone it's changed the way you take in your football it's changed the way we take in sports so naturally there is going to be some drops but we look at this stuff and I, and I have a couple of people on hold here and I want to get to them we had calls callers already they pushed the political spectrum of it I'm not going to deny that politics has something to do with it. Not in the least. There's no denial of that. Politics and what you're quote-unquote comfortable with has a bearing. I grant you that. But I think if you're a sports fan, you're going to watch sports. You might be upset now. You might might disagree with the principles or whatever it might be. If you're a sports fan, you're going to watch sports. NFL ratings took a tumble in 2016. They bounced back. Sports fans want to watch sports. And for the NBA, the NBA is putting this out there that they are they are at the forefront of what major movements they are at the forefront of. Black Lives Matter and, and, and treating people with equality, inequality for all people, race, color, creed, sex, gender, doesn't matter. They, they want the equality. They push the equality. And some people, I guess, are turned off by that. But if you're going to be turned off by it, no, it's it's not going to change. Because the NBA, I don't think, can turn around and say, well, we did this for this time, and now we can't do this anymore. Once you've opened that door, you can't go back, because then you're just going to make your own entity look bad. So eventually, I think the NBA looks at this, and they think, well, yeah, eventually we'll get, the, we'll get full, full viewership back, and we'll take a hit right now, if we do take a hit. And over the last few years... Yes, incrementally, there has been some numbers that have gone down. You've had the same old, same old finals for four of those years. You've had the same team in, 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 a, in a few of those years. So there are reasons without politics, without societal change that is in there. But yeah, for me to say, for me to tell you that politics wouldn't be involved would be false. That's why I won't do it. 855-2124-CBS. Jesse in Atlanta, you're first up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead. All right, um, so first I want to preface this and say that the there's no one thing that's making the ratings go down. And I think you kind of alluded to that. It's a multitude of different things. Oh, definitely. But yeah. I do think the politicization has a huge piece to play in that. I think, and I, I look at it like this way, I'm a sports fan. I'm watching no matter what because I've been waiting for sports for freaking four or five months because I got sick of having to watch the same old, same old. 
and I was dying for sports. I'll watch anything at this point. But the other piece of it is just this week, my wife and my dad happened to be walking in while watching an NBA game, and they're like, is this real? Is this what we're having? You're having it thrown in your face, and people are just sick of that. The climate in 2020 is just so politicized that people are tired of having to see it at every step of the way. Anywhere they go, anywhere they turn their head, they have to have it shoved down their throat. And that's frustrating to people. The other side of it also becomes the actual policies and things that they're doing where the NBA is going to throw all this social justice warrior type stuff in their face, but then they're also going to flip side and and flip-flop on China. You can't have it both ways. You've got to have that human rights issue and play that role the whole time. They have to address China. Or they have to address you can't China. Can't do that. Yeah, no, there, there's so there's no way around that. that I'm, you know? I'm, Jesse, I'm glad you brought that up. Listen, they have to address China, and, and they haven't done that. And I read the Wojnarowski report, and I read a couple of the other ones that they had where it says, listen, they don't even want anybody discussing China within their with, with anybody with the NBA. They don't want dis- discussing China. They have to address that at some point. Because it is it, it does it is a bad look for them. And Jesse, thank you very much for the call. I, I would always try to fight back. Well, how many people cared about China before LeBron James? Before all this stuff started to go down, doesn't matter. It's still an open. It's it's still something that's open there. Just because somebody might call me up and they didn't have anything to say about people in Hong Kong or people in China in 2017, doesn't mean it's still not a problem for the NBA. The NBA has to address that. It has to address that. the The problem that they had with the basketball players in China and some of the abuses that were going on with the with the children who were in the basketball camps in China under the NBA logo and some of the abuses that were going on, they must address that at some point. You cannot allow that to continue to fester underneath because then you will start to push things behind. If I look at you and I say, you have, you have your push that you want to do, I'm fine with that. But if you are transparent that makes it even better. So if I look at the NBA and I go, well, you know, there's things I agree with, there's things I disagree with, but you know what? They did address the China issue and they moved with that. Then I could look at you and go, okay, at least you're fair on all sides. The other issues of this of, well, it's going to be pushed in our face, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I think there's an expectation with certain athletes now. I think there's an expectation that you have some sort of political bone, that you have some sort of political push. Some people who've decided to not push politics, they're criticized for it. And I think it's every athlete's right. If they want to be quiet about it, you know, we bring up Michael Jordan. If you want to be quiet about it, be quiet about it. If you don't know every single issue, don't enter that realm. I've told you this a million times about my uh, about when we talk sports and when we had what was going on over the summer and when we talk about all that. I'm not an expert on any of that stuff. I'm not even an expert on sports. And what this does, what this platform does, is it convinces guys like me we are experts. And then we say things that are really stupid and we shoot off our mouths and it looks really dumb and it's a bad look for us. I'm not going to sit there. I can't tell Jesse in Atlanta exactly what's right and exactly what's wrong. We don't know yet. We're living in real time in 2020. We won't know what's been right or what's been wrong about race, what's been right or what's been wrong in 2020 and what we're dealing with right now. We won't know the final score for 50 to 100 years. And even then, that score will change. We won't know any of this stuff. I think that there's things that we have to go through that are uncomfortable to provide a better society and probably better sports in the future. And these things, yeah, for a lot of people are uncomfortable. But at some juncture, I have to become used to that if I'm going to watch sports. 
Because an athlete, if they want to have a platform, they now have their platform, and that athlete should also know that if they have a platform and they use that platform, there are going to be people who disagree. And if they use that platform in a silly fashion or an unintelligent fashion, they're going to be criticized for that, and they will hurt whatever cause they're trying to champion. Tim in Atlanta, you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go. Yeah. Hey, Ken, can you hear me? I got you, Tim. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this political activism, I mean, ESPN is a political – I'm not ESPN. The NBA is a political organization now. And people like me who love NBA will will not watch it again. Will not, no matter what. Because I love country and I love family and I love principle more than I like basketball. You can't work for any corporation anywhere, name one, that you decide you can just – you, you can go on your own political rant next to their label, and they're going to uh, uh, authorize that. No, you get fired for that. So that's why we know the NBA is a political organization. Therefore, I'm out. My entire friend group is the All right, same let me ask you another question. Let me ask you, hold on, okay. hold on. Let me follow yeah. it up. Let me follow it up here. What yeah. are you going to do, do for NFL season? I'm not watching any of it. I'm out. You're not watching it's NFL football? It's all over. No, I know. You're, you're saying – Hey, you're probably okay. thinking this guy ain't a real – but I'm not. And my friend group is the same way. I hear it all over the place. Well, Once it see, becomes a political organization, bye-bye. All right. You know, you, Catholic, look, hold on, Tim. Yeah. Stay with me. You look at the NFL, though. You look at the yeah. NFL. Most NFL owners are donate, uh, have donated strongly to Trump. I think five, six, seven NFL owners have donated in the millions of dollars to Donald Trump's campaign. So it's Love not just on one side or the other. So, well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you going to watch the NFL because of that, or are you going to not watch the NFL because of that? Because now you got well, – it is a politi- – listen, these are political organizations, but what I'm pointing out is that it's not just one side. It's not just one side. It's impossible for it to all be on one side. Okay, let me restate that. In the form that it is currently in, that would be my position. Uh, the NBA is way more overt than the NFL – the the BLM stuff that you don't see anything else there. There's one agenda, and it's clear, and that's what they are promoting. Therefore, I, I don't believe in that. I believe in equality, but not towards one group. It's for everybody, but that's not the the, the message at all. Okay, Tim, I thank you very much for the call. I I believe that if somebody wants to stand for the anthem or kneel for the anthem, they can do either or. I don't think that somebody should be ostracized. I know Jonathan Isaac was ostracized uh, by people and, and ripped on by people in the NBA because he decided to stand. If he wants to stand, that's his deal. But what I'm bringing up is you have a league that, yes, is predominantly African-American. They're going to have African-American issues. They're going to push African-American issues. Those employees are. The NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, they've given the green light to be able to do that. Once they've been given the green light, you go right on ahead. Well, after this, you can't put it back. I can't take it back after I've allowed it to go on as an, a quote-unquote as an employer because they all work for the league. They're franchises, but they all work for the league. If I go, if I work for a major fast food restaurant chain, I may have an owner of that franchise, but if I do something that looks terrible by, by any one of these places' standards, any one of these fast food chain standards, I get fired for doing something that they don't think is right. So if you're an NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, da, 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 whatever player, and you do something that doesn't look good on them, with the exception of NASCAR, because NASCARs they they have their own entities, or they have their own entity because they don't have a union. 
if you do something that doesn't look good on them, it, it could still backfire on you. That's why you're suspended usually by NFL guidelines or Major League Baseball guidelines or NBA guidelines and not necessarily by the team. There are cir- circumstances, obviously, where teams suspend. But that's not always the case. It's usually drawn up by the league. But I have to point it out, if you're upset or you're uncomfortable with one with one political view, just, just take a look around. NBA owners are usually very wealthy people. Very wealthy people are usually very conservative people. Very conservative people usually donate for very conservative causes. NFL owners, I just told Tim in Atlanta, NFL owners, they donate to very conservative causes because they're very wealthy people and they happen to be conservative. So I, I, if I'm not watching the NFL, listen, you do that choice, but you understand that it's not, it's never going to be one push, one side. That's it's impossible. It's impossible to do. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. All right, coming up next, Pierno put me on the spot. The top five SummerSlam matches of all time, and Jared Dubin going to join us. CBS Sports NFL writer. Follow him on Twitter at Yaya Dubin. We'll talk with him about what's going on across the NFL. It's Ken Carmen here on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Why did you pick this theme music, Pierno? Why did you do this? I got a hot take for everybody. Ultimate Warrior, I, I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, even though it doesn't matter. If the person was a bad person, it doesn't make him great because they died. He was also not a can't... great he was also not a great wrestler. Thank you very much. Listen, I, I don't know about the type of guy he was. I heard he was a bit of a goof. But the Ultimate Warrior was not a good wrestler. You know what? I'm just going to come out and say it. If you guys got a problem with it, eight five five two one two four cbs <laughs> Ultimate Warrior sucked, okay? I never got any of the pro- the promos. The promos were terrible. You couldn't even understand what he was saying. As a wrestler, he was clunky. As great, a little, he see, as, but as a little kid, I loved him. Uh, I, I, didn't you know, know what? I didn't know any better. Even as a little kid, I'm like, no. Nah, no I liked no. him when I was younger. He's I, I, had, I had the Ultimate Warrior, uh, my buddy, doll. Oh, everybody had an Ultimate yeah. Warrior wrestling buddy. I had yeah. a Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy, and I'm a, I, I got to make this mention here. It's like, ah, oh, I'm saying all these things about the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, I'm willing to bet the Ultimate Warrior didn't do some of the things that Hulk Hogan's done. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, fine. He just, he wasn't good, okay? He wasn't good. And everybody loves the Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior is whatever. Sorry. All right, we got top five. Top five, we got... We got Jared Dubin coming in at uh, 11.40 a.m. Eastern. Also at noon, I'm going to make the perfect argument. I can't wait. That's at noon Eastern. But we got to do top five SummerSlam matches of all time. Pierno, you want to go first? Yeah, go ahead. sure. Why not? All right. Number five, go uh, I'm going with Cena versus AJ Styles, SummerSlam 2016. I was in the building, Barclays wow. Center in Brooklyn, New York. First SummerSlam for Styles versus the face of the company in uh, in John Cena. The building was rocking. It just had a big fight atmosphere. It had the dueling chance. AJ Styles, let's go Cena. So you had a dueling chance. It was just uh, and Styles uh, getting a clean win. The previous month got some help from Gallows and Anderson. But back-to-back pay-per-views, uh, St- 
Styles gets uh, the victory over Cena, this time with a clean victory over uh, the uh, the face of the company. So I wanted to throw Cena in there because, you know, I'm not big into these, like, the Mount Rushmores and everything, but every time I hear yeah. the Mount Rushmores, you know, Cena's name I feel like is never even considered. Cena deserves uh, more credit. Cena is one of the greats of all time. And, oh, a uh, classic. He's a classic, yeah. classically trained wrestler. And this was one of his best matches ever there with AJ. And yeah. I know a lot of people felt like, oh, this cemented AJ Styles. AJ Styles never needed to be cemented. I mean, he was great before he came to WWE. He had nothing to prove was he to anybody. OV- was John Cena OVW or was he Dr. Tom Pritchard? Uh, OV- Probably both. I know OVW. Okay. All right. No, John Cena classically trained. I actually have that at number five for me. Uh, so. I'm going number four. I'm going the ladder match. Triple H versus The Rock. SummerSlam 98 at MSG. Uh, both rising stars at the time, and they really used this match to elevate each other. And what I liked about this ladder match, it wasn't your typical ladder match. It wasn't like a spot fest. It wasn't about taking like major risks off the ladder. It was just a smart match. Great psychology. Great storytelling. Uh, I just uh, that's my number four. Triple H Rock SummerSlam '98. Number three, Summer uh, SummerSlam 2002. The Heartbreak Kid versus Triple H. HBK. He had been gone for four years because of his back. Uh, his last match had been in '98. Comes back four years later. They form DX like 15 seconds after that. Michaels comes back, Triple H turns on him instantly, and then Michaels was attacked by a mystery assailant, and Triple H later revealed that it was him, and then so they met in a street fight, and again, after four years, it was unbelievable, Michaels did not miss miss a beat in that match, so uh, terrific street fight, and again, you just felt like these guys really, like, hated each other, uh, it was just best friends, even better enemies. Number two, Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, SummerSlam 91. Uh, this was like, this was the passing of the torch uh, to Bret from Perfect. And you go back and look at this match. Mr. Perfect was dealing with so much back pain at that time, but he was just taking bumps all over the ring. He made Bret look like a superstar because uh, after that match, we didn't see uh, Mr. Perfect for like another year after that match. So True. just two of the great, best technical wrestlers of all time, and they just put on a scientifically sound match. And number one, my first pay-per-view uh, event that I ever attended, uh, Continental Airlines Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey, 1997 SummerSlam. Bret Hart again versus The Undertaker with Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee. 1997, one of the great runs in in wrestling history that Bret Hart had. You know, he was in the middle of his anti-American gimmick. Undertaker was the champion. Uh, Just a great match. These two had so much chemistry in the ring with each other. Undertaker, Bret Hart, they always did a terrific job. And then the ending to this match was great. Uh, Brett tried to hit um, Undertaker with the chair, but Michaels pulled it away. So the hitman got upset. He spit in the face of Sean, causing uh, HBK to swing the chair. Brett ducked, hit the Undertaker, and then Michaels was forced to count to three. And Brett won his fifth WWF championship. And if you remember, at the time, holding the belt five times, that was a big deal. I mean, now guys have won it like 12, 14, 15 times. 
but when Brett won it for the fifth time, it was a big deal. So, uh, again, and, and also just great storytelling because that furthered the issue between Brett and Sean and then also started a rivalry between HBK and The Undertaker, and yes. they met a couple times after that, and of course— Listen to you, Pierno. Listen to you. I didn't even get my top five yet. We're all Go, over. go, go! All right, number five, AJ Styles, John Cena, 2016. Number four, Davey Boy Smith versus Bret Hart, 1992. I think that was at Old Wembley Stadium. It was. Which, if you got the WWE Network, the late, great, sensational Sherry, little Kenny Carmen became a man that day. One of those little things. You'll, I think you'll know why when you see the great, sensational Sherry from 1992. Number three... Shawn Michaels versus Triple H 2002, I believe that was in your list. Number two, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, 1994. Let me say this. What I just said about Ultimate Warrior, I still think is true. I have lambasted Bret Hart in the past, and I'm wrong for it. On the mic, he's terrible. He's terrible. But as a technical wrestler, just the soundness, the crispness, the putting together, the strategy, the, the what he does to an audience – Bret Hart's one of the finest to ever live. In 97, uh, he was great on the mic. Oh, uh, Okay, maybe a little bit. When he got really... Because I think he was telling the truth about the anti Exactly, stuff, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> he was finally telling the truth the way he saw it. But Bret Hart was great, and Owen Hart... Owen Hart was gone too soon. So much athleticism. So much incredible athleticism. Like, you see that overhead shot. I remember they, they included it in Dark Side of the Ring, that overhead shot of him doing the, uh, the flips... One-armed, amazing athleticism from Owen Hart. Probably the best athlete in the family, and that's saying something because all those guys were hellified athletes. Uh, number one, Edge and Christian versus Dudley Boys versus Hardy Boys, 2000 TLC. How could you not put that in your top five, Pierre? That was the first TLC match ever. Oh, my God. Jim Ross on the call, good old JR, the whole thing. It's, what, it's not just – the greatest SummerSlam match ever. It's one of the greatest professional wrestling matches ever. And that's saying something because, yes, there were tables and ladders and chairs and usually spots and gimmicks. Eh, you tend to go the other way. Such chemistry between six guys. Incredible balance. Incredible work. I can't believe they didn't kill each other. One of the most impressive things I've ever seen in professional wrestling. And that is the top five SummerSlam matches of all time. Coming up at high noon, we're on over 200 radio stations in this country, in, in North America. And I have an argument so strong, so tight, that no one's going to be able to disagree with me. Up next, Jared Dubin's going to join us, CBS Sports NFL writer. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 40 minutes away, work or shoot. Going to be a tremendous time. Ryan Hickey will be in for that one. Also, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227. Sponsored by GEICO. Did you know that right now, GEICO's offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies? That's on top of what GEICO could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Visit GEICO.com to learn more. Joining us right now on the hotline, Jared Dubin. CBS Sports NFL writer. Follow him on Twitter, at Yaya Dubin. And, Jared, i got to start it right off with what is going on with Earl Thomas and the Baltimore Ravens? Is this time in Baltimore done? I wish I knew. Um, I heard about it this morning just like everybody else did. I mean, it seems crazy to me that you would want to have – like if you have Earl Thomas on your team that you would want to not have Earl Thomas on your team. That seems wild. You know, I'm, I'm reading about it just like everybody else this morning. Um, I think that they – any any team, there are 31 teams that should be calling the Ravens, seeing if they could get them to trade them to them 
instead of cutting him and letting him sign wherever he wants right now. Yeah, because I know camp fights, especially now, and they're always looked down upon. Now, the skirmishes and things, you're going to get – listen, they're grown men. They're they're in a high-octane situation. It's hot out there, and now they can't even run into other people because of the COVID. Uh, I, I can get some of it, but, man, you're just going to let that guy walk. You get, I, I'm sure there'd be teams that'd be willing to give you something for Earl Thomas. Yeah, I mean, you would think so. <laughs> um, it, it hurts a little bit, obviously, when – Everybody knows that you're looking to get rid of him, as now has apparently happened. But, man, I mean, that guy came back from his injury last year, and he looked like arguably the best safety in the league again. He did. You know, you would think that if there's anybody out there that wants to make sure they can, you know, cut the line, there would be someone who would want to trade something for him. Obviously, again, like, I think every team in the league could use him. Uh, I can't imagine that he's going to go back to Seattle, so they're probably out. But I guess 30 other teams should be interested. Jared Dubin joining us on the show. Ron Rivera uh, announced he had cancer yesterday, still plans to coach. I mean, this is this is turning into a remarkable story on his end. It, this is a guy who – they should write a book about this guy when it's all said and done. You're dealing with what you're dealing with with COVID. You, you now have cancer. And for whatever reason, the former Redskins, now the Washington football team, is having you help come up with a new name for this football team here. Has this guy had the most responsibility of any head coach in the last 50 years? Um, probably Bill Belichick. He's essentially been the coach and the GM of the best team in the league for 20 years. But, you know, obviously it's a, a remarkable situation and something that I can't imagine when he signed up to coach the team that he would have, you know, thought that he was going to be dealing with all of these different things at once, you know, obviously his health is the most important thing here, making sure that, you know, he's able to, to beat cancer. But obviously it's a lot of other responsibilities to deal with as well. And it's certainly unusual for a coach to have to play a role in, you know, all of the different off-field things that Rivera has now been tasked with, you know, not just, you know, helping out with the name change or figuring out what they're going to be there, but also, you know, obviously we've heard about what a toxic culture the organization has had you know in a variety of different ways throughout the offseason from the allegations from people that that worked with the team and then the allegations about you know Darius Geis who was there before and you know various reporters coming out and telling stories about their interactions with him over the years as well so it's it's a lot for Rivera to deal with I can't imagine that it's all on him like a lot of that has to start at the top with Daniel Snyder who has to be held responsible for a lot of the different things that have gone on there and needs to you know, he's the one that really needs to institute a lot of the change. But certainly, I mean, Rivera has dealt with a whole lot and is dealing with a whole lot right now. Jared Dubin joining us on the show. Buffalo, Denver, Arizona, a lot of people excited about those teams. Which which team is a disappointment in 2020? Uh, I'm going to say Denver. I think that they're just such a young team on offense, and they're integrating so many new pieces you know they've got a new offensive coordinator they have a quarterback who has only started five games um they've got two rookies among their top three wide receivers on offense one guy who's i believe a third year player Cortland sutton you know their their tight ends are a rookie and a second year player they had their right tackle Juwan james opt out they're integrating a few new offensive linemen as well they lost their center uh in the offseason you know it's just 
it's a lot. And I mean, if the defense is just good instead of great, I don't think that there's going to be enough to make up for that. Plus, they're in the same division as the best team in football, so that's probably two losses right there. I don't think any of the other teams are starting off with two automatic losses on on, the, on their schedule. Jared Newman joining us on the show. Yeah, I'd probably have to say you're right about that. Okay, of the rookie quarterbacks here, because you're probably going to throw a torpedo right through this, and I'm going to be upset with how you answer it, but still, let's just do it anyway. You got rookie quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, and I would put Jordan Love in there, but Jordan Love's not going to play regardless. <laughs> with those guys, with those guys, can I make an argument to convince you with all this going on that maybe it's not in the best idea? And I know Ryan Fitzpatrick is technically the Dolphins starter, but can I convince you of those three guys that none of them should play during the 2020 season or at least in the first three months of the 2020 season? Um, I mean, I don't know what else the, the Bengals would do at quarterback, so... I'm going to say no on none of them, but I think that, I mean, it, it certainly looks like the other two teams are planning to start Ryan Fitzpatrick ahead of Tua in Miami and Tyrod Taylor ahead of Justin Herbert in LA. So I think that, you know, you're on there. I don't know. I think that was probably the plan even before the season was obviously going to be affected by coronavirus. But I mean, Joe Burrow is the starter in Cincinnati. I don't even know what else they would do at that position. So Yeah. It's it's an offensive line that I know is better because they got Jonah Williams back and they'll at least be somewhat healthy. They got some decent weapons there with the offense. They really do. Most of those guys were hurt last year. But just no OTAs, no mini camp, no nothing, Jared. It makes me nervous for that guy. That's a not yeah, a good football Yeah, I mean, team. It's, it's the same situation that obviously all of the, the rookies are facing. They are obviously going through sort of a, I guess, modified – training camp i suppose um yeah i just i don't know what what else they would do honestly there's, there's really not another option for them you know obviously they've got a couple backups in there not great ones uh not got you know maybe if they can had i can i sell you on ryan Dalton. finley can i sell you on ryan finley can i can i can i sell him to you on that please? Uh, we saw him play a little bit last year i don't think you can sell me on him <laughs> jared dubin joining us on the show Give me a surprise team in the AFC and the NFC this year. Um, I don't know that surprise necessarily means equaling the playoffs, but, I mean, I think the Dolphins could be better than people think this season. I think they just added a lot of talent on defense uh, with Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy. Uh, they use their first-round pick, uh, their, their second first – or their – third first-round pick, I guess it was. Uh, Noeg Benagane, the corner. Um, you know, they added Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Agba up front, too, and got Xavier Howard coming back. I, I think that they could they could be, uh, you know, an above-average defense this year when they were one of the worst in the league last season. Um, I know that, you know, a few years ago, I remember the Giants just adding a ton of talent on defense in the offseason, spending a bunch of money in draft picks and it actually took them to the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen for the Dolphins, but I think they could be better than people think, and maybe go like 8-8, eight and eight, something like that, and look like a team on the rise coming into the next year. And then um, in the NFC, it's tough to say any surprises because the teams that seem like they're going to improve are the teams that everyone thinks is going to improve. Um, and I'm not a, one of those people who's a believer in the Lions. So... Um, <laughs> Maybe the Rams, just because people tend to think they were so bad last year when really they were 9-7 and seven and they had the 
basically the exact same point differential as the Eagles who went to the playoffs. Um, and, and I don't think it's possible for be for Jared Goff or their offensive line to be worse than they were last season. So I'll go with the Rams. Real quick, where's uh, where's Yannick Ngakwe going to end up? Oh, man, um, I guess the rumors have been the Ravens and the Jets, so I'll go with one of those teams. If the Ravens cut Earl Thomas, they got some cap room. Gosh, if the Ravens end up – I mean, you got Kali – you basically just went and picked up Kali Campbell for nothing, or Kalei yeah. Campbell for nothing. I always go – I always get it mixed up, and I always want to say the Oldsmobile car there, Jared. And then if you were trading for Yannick Ngakwe – you're playing in a division right there where Pittsburgh might still be the best defense in the NFL or might be going into the best defense in the NFL. And then in Baltimore, it could turn into that classic Ravens-Steelers rivalry like we've seen over the last 20 years here, Jared. Oh, yeah. I mean, I if they didn't get rid of Earl Thomas, like earlier in the offseason, I wrote something about, you know, which teams were the best bets to be the best defense in the league. And I picked the Ravens. I mean, they had the, the best secondary outside of New England last year. And all of those guys are coming back, um, you know, until, I guess, this whole Earl Thomas situation. And then, I mean, they just got better up front, you know. <laughs> they replaced, like, Wormley with Calais Campbell. Um, I mean, it, do- it doesn't even make any sense how good their defense looked like it was going to be. Uh, obviously, if you lose Earl Thomas, that changes a whole lot. Uh, but I still think it's going to be a really good defense. I mean, you just look at their corners, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, um, Jimmy Smith is the third best corner on the team, and he's a guy who had been a number one, number one corner for you know three or four years at one point. Um, you know, and then they got you know Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams and Matt Judon. I mean, they got really versatile pieces up front. They had Patrick Queen in the draft. Uh, I like that defense a lot. Jared, can't thank you enough for the time, buddy. Follow this guy on Twitter, yeah, yeah, Dubin. Jared, thank you, buddy. Take care. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Jared Dubin, CBS Sports NFL writer. If the if the Ravens get the if the Ravens get Yannick Ngakwe, I'll basically just give up in the AFC. I probably won't. Listen, that that's probably an overstatement, obviously. But that defense, I wouldn't just let Earl Thomas walk. The Ravens are the type of team, though, that they probably could let Earl Thomas walk, and somehow they'll find a way to get better, like getting Yannick Ngakwe. You got you got Clayus Campbell for nothing. A fifth round pick is nothing for that team. I wish I, I wish somebody would have called a, my favorite football team and asked. I'd have given you a little bit more for a 35-year-old defensive lineman who's still very, very good. If they get Yannick Ngakwe, hands down, two best defenses in the AFC are right there in the AFC North between them and Pittsburgh. Up next, we've talked Fernando Tatis Jr. to death, but I got something there that's been compared to that I think makes the perfect argument. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.